Pandemonium Reigns. Pandemonium Reigns podcast. What is up? Happy Tuesday. Happy Wednesday. Happy whatever the heck day it is that you're listening to the Pandemonium Reigns podcast. We appreciate that so much. We can't thank you enough. Uh, if you would, go ahead, hit like, share, subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your family about this podcast, about this episode, and share your thoughts with us as we look to recap Tennessee over Kentucky. Uh, falls doing what they do against the Wildcats, 33-27 to in pretty electric fashion. What a game it was. Uh, kind of back and forth format, although Tennessee maintained the lead throughout the game. Uh, held Kentucky at arm's length to an extent. Uh, the defense didn't do their didn't do what they've been doing against the pass, uh, but against the rush, they were terrific. And we'll definitely uh, expound on that in a minute. I kind of want to lead with the defense in in recapping this game. But first, just to hit you with the facts that that many of you already know, that is forty three wins in the last. 50 matchups with the Wildcats, 43 out of 50, some rivalry it is. Uh, leave the beer barrel in the closet, man. Leave it wherever it's at. Doesn't matter. Cool trophy, sure, but imagine how sick you'd be if they bring it back and that year <laughs> is Kentucky's eighth win in 50 attempts or, you know, what have you. You know, just fill in the, fill in the blank if you want to. Um, but, yeah, Tennessee being big bro, Doing what they've done in this series so many times, just, just what a, what a nice win that was with lots and lots of adversity. Whether it be injuries, Kamal Haddon comes to mind. Don't think he's necessarily the main reason that Tennessee got pretty pretty ripped up through the air by Devin Leary. Don't think that's the main reason. I think it falls more maybe 60-40, 55-45. On the defensive line, the the lack of sacks, kind of the disappearing act, and look, there were multiple holds by Kentucky, whether it be offensive, offensive line, defensive line holds, whether it be Warren Burrell getting held near the boundary right in front of a referee on, uh, on a touchdown that Kentucky did score. I believe that one was to Ray Davis, if I, if I remember correctly. Uh, might, have been, might have been to another. Um, nonetheless, you know, Warren Burrell held right, in, right over there by the sideline. Um, I'm sure multiple refs had eyes on it. They don't call it. They don't care whatever. Uh, Tennessee is opponents have something like one live ball penalty in the last 11 quarters. It is absolutely absurd. It is what it is. Tennessee's won two of those last three games, with the exception being Alabama, of course. Um, but again, doing what they do. Vols doing what they do against Kentucky. And again, I think it's a nice win, a really tough win when you if you watch that full game. Um, if you if you know kind of the the weaknesses of this team, kind of the issues that they have, didn't see a lot of the issues. I mean, Joe was was terrific. And again, I want to lead with the defense in just a moment, but Joe was 18 of 21, 228, one touchdown, no picks. I believe two of his three incompletions. Again, three incompletions on 21 attempts for Milton. I believe two of them came on one drive in the second quarter. I tried to look for that when I noticed that he had three incompletions on the game and thought about how wild that was. Um, thought about some of the the long second and third downs that Tennessee faced when they did 
get a little too happy with running on first down or running on early downs, whatever it may have been. A penalty sets Tennessee back. I mean, those are the situations. And, and look, Tennessee played some of them safe, but those are the situations when your quarterback can throw a pick, uh, when he can take a sack, which of which he did take two, um, of which Kentucky got to Joe twice. Um, you know, those, those are when you can really have breakdowns, turnover-worthy plays, uh, you know, you, penalties can compound, you know, you name it. The bad can can really start to roll. But Joe, man, playing two of his best games in orange back-to-back -back weeks, especially for the 2023 season uh, down in Tuscaloosa against Alabama and again on the road, getting a, a very important road win, the first outright since Vanderbilt uh, in, in 2022, the most important probably impactful. Obviously, this one's not as impressive as beating LSU and Baton Rouge, even though that was a an 11 a.m. local kick down there at the time. You've got to find ways to win on the road. Not going to talk again about how college football teams are struggling on the road this season especially, but you, you found a way to get it done against a Kentucky team that had the same record as you coming in uh, that, beat that beat Florida where you couldn't, even though they did get them at home. And and Kentucky really figured out this is where I kind of want to transition and talking about the defense. Kentucky either a few one of a few things happened. They either utilized the bye week to absolute perfection to to really dial in that what Devin Leary needs, what kind of calls he needs, um, what it takes for him to be successful. And look, I, I'm not as I'm not the highest on Liam Cohen, but again, they had a great great a great game plan. They had the perfect call <laughs> so many times on an out route with Leary throwing it as the break was being made, which is impossible to defend. Uh, so many times in that game, they had out routes when we were in man or, you know, we had Judy Lolly or Slaughter, whoever, just a step a step or a few steps behind the, the outbreaking receiver. Their touchdown on the wheel route was executed perfectly. Uh, I thought Jesse Palmer had a great breakdown of that as the game was was unfolding, as that play occurred. Just, I think he was totally correct. It sounded like he said Tamaria McDonald had, you know, a little bit of eye candy, uh, out breaking, the outside receivers breaking in, taking his eyes for just a minute, allowing the wheel route to, to get in position. And Kentucky made one of a few tough catches that they made in that game. Props to their receivers almost as much or, or equally as much as Devin Leary. I mean, making tough catches, going up and grabbing 50-50 balls. couple scenarios yet again, maybe where if the DB gets their head turned in time or a step, you know, a couple milliseconds sooner, they make a play on the ball, they intercept the ball, the pass is not completed, you name it. Uh, but these, these receivers, I've talked about them plenty of times now this year. It, it's one of the best groups that Kentucky will ever has ever had, frankly, and, and especially in my lifetime. Barry on Brown. Dane Key, both bigger guys, go up and get it, guys. Barryon Brown is is absolutely explosive and electric. Tennessee almost saw that on a kickoff return, I'm going to say, before D. Williams stepped in to, to take him down there near halftime. Uh, Tavion Robinson, again, just a very solid veteran receiver, whereas Brown and Key are sophomores, uh, Barryon Brown and Dane Key. But it's been a long time since they've had at least three receiving options like those guys. Those guys are, are very solid and, and can hurt a lot of teams. I think that, that we, we might really see them explode in 2024, uh, depending on the Kentucky quarterback situation, because I do believe this is it for Devin Leary. 
uh, as a collegiate football player. He's been in the game a long time. And again, props to him for for executing some of the things that, that he's not done on the year all that well. Props to him for hitting 372 yards. That's that is not a number like what Tennessee's been giving up this year. That is totally different. Uh, he wasn't, like I said, he wasn't pressured the way that Tennessee's been pressuring and sacking quarterbacks, you know, multiple sacks a game. We've seen Pierce just harassing quarterbacks. If he's not bringing them down, he's getting hit on them. Uh, Tennessee only sacks Leary uh, the one time. It was Omar Norman Lott. What an addition he has been for this defensive line. Uh, props to Tennessee again for beating Texas A&M without him because that was a that's again a very talented team like we talked about. Norman Lott has got a little bit different athleticism than than Tennessee's had for more interior defensive linemen or defensive front players in a little while. Uh, Marty Thomas is is obviously very solid. He's a great athlete, but but it's been a long time since Tennessee's had multiple guys kind of coming from the interior versus the edge that really have a burst of speed to get a guy down, uh, make impact in the the run and the pass game defensively uh, and props to them. But again, not great. Secondary-wise, wasn't great. Pass rush, whether it be being held, multiple screenshots. If, you just, if, if you're just if you a member of all Twitter, you know you've seen them, you've scrolled past them, you've rolled your eyes, you've, you've cursed the SEC, you've threatened to go to Birmingham and burn down SEC offices. Uh, at least I did at certain points Saturday night. Uh, you know, it, it just poorly officiated game yet again. Uh, Tennessee obviously has some discipline issues. That's that's a thing, no doubt. But just by far being penalized more than opponents when the same plays are taking place sometimes on each side of the ball. Uh, obviously, Tennessee's holds come to mind. They were obvious, obvious holds. But that happens maybe every play that's a bit of a stretch it it happens a lot certainly once a drive uh and and right now Tennessee's the only one uh being called for that over the last three or so games because you know one live ball penalty uh in in the last 11 or so quarters is just ridiculous I, I I can't say there can't be another team in college football that has faced an opponent or three opponents where where that number uh is a reality uh, whatever, though, Tennessee gets the win. Uh, they welcomed back a little bit the 2021 and 2022 defenses with, with some of the issues. And, and like I said, hold, you know, lack of holds at times were a factor. Uh, even in the 2021 game, this surprised me, uh, 2021 game against Kentucky, Kentucky was actually the more penalized team. One more penalty for 18 more penalty yards. Uh, in the 2021 game, that was the game where where Tennessee possessed the ball for 13 minutes and 52 seconds of the 60-minute game, uh, yet won, uh, yet held Kentucky, you know, at again, arm's length in that game. This is where Tennessee is just so, so different. They are, they're running the ball differently. They are, they're controlling drives differently. They close the game out. They, they, they use a four-minute offense to close the game out largely, largely in part to Dylan Sampson. What a freaking guy. Uh, time possession in this one, T Kentucky, you know, obviously I, I don't know when, if ever, we'll see Tennessee win the time possession, but Kentucky 33 minutes and four seconds to Tennessee's 26 minutes and 56 seconds. Uh, and back to the penalties for just a minute in this game. 
uh, unlike two years ago. Tennessee, nine penalties, 70 yards. Kentucky, four penalties for 21 yards. Uh, again, none, none of which were live ball penalties for Kentucky. Uh, all procedural and pre-snap and, and things like that is what occurred. Uh, and just kind of transitioning, you know, once again, from the defensive side to the offensive side for, for the game, uh, Tennessee edges out Kentucky in total yards, 481 to 444. Uh, despite Kentucky dominating the, the, the yardage in the passing game, 372 to 228, Tennessee absolutely crushed it on the ground again. Jalen Wright and Dylan Sampson, both dudes. Tennessee, 253 yards. Kentucky, 72 yards on the ground. And Ray Davis has been having himself a season. And so just to kind of quickly touch base on the defense one more time, here's Ray Davis this year. Uh, his lowest yardage coming into a game, he, he totaled 16 carries for 42 yards, 2.6 a pop on, on Saturday night. The lowest prior, 15 carries, 59 yards, 3.9 per carry against Georgia, uh, at Georgia. Uh, before that, 78 yards against Vandy. 72 yards against Akron, 52 against Eastern Kentucky. You can guess all games in which Ray Davis was not needed. He was not that much of a factor because Kentucky would beat those teams with third and fourth fourth string guys if they if they really wanted to, if they if those guys played their game. Uh Ray Davis, 62 six, six, gosh, 16 carries, 42 yards. He's a heck of a player. He I mean he he looks like a pro for years to come. And Tennessee just, yeah, may, maybe that's why the pass defense wasn't there, uh, because they they shut down Ray Davis with a force, uh, and and just really impressive. So so great great shout out to the to the defensive line, to the linebackers, keeping Davis in check. Uh, his long run was eight yards on his path to those forty two yards. Uh, he did he did have twenty eight receiving with a long reception of thirteen. Uh, and of course, he did get in the end zone, as as kind of discussed a minute ago when talking about uh, Burrell possibly being held there. What a job, though. What a job to keep that guy in check, to not let him beat you. Uh, putting it all on Leary. Now, again, Leary responded and performed well. But, again, you get the win. That's what matters. Uh, that's really what matters. Uh, just going to kind of check back on the offense real quick. Joe, what a day for him. That, that we've already talked about. There is no no question in in my mind. Obviously the season is is starting to wind down. Four games left, UConn at Missouri, Georgia, and Vanderbilt uh, to close it out. But but Joe's your starter. I think the last two games show you why Joe has been your starter, why there is not a competition on the field. Uh Maybe those things took place to an extent, very unlikely with, with Nico's youth. There's not a competition. Joe is, right now, stringing games together, his, his best games as of all for, for this year especially. Uh, and, and look, Joe is, currently Joe is sitting at around triple the attempts that he had last year. Uh, of course, mop-up time until Vanderbilt and, and Clemson. Uh, he's sitting around triple the attempts, and you just think back, he is... He's airing it out in garbage time. He is, he's throwing the ball so hard that it carries the receiver who was wide open in, in garbage time. Again, down the field, it, you know, he's hitting Jimmy Holiday and he's knocking him 10 yards down the field, wide open, you name it. He's airing it out to Squirrel. 
Uh, he's doing those things in the bowl game. He's hitting Ramel over the top. He's hitting Squirrel and Brew. He is at triple the attempts, and he has got the same completion percentage, 64.6 on the year last year in the attempts that he had. And again, triple the attempts, 64.8% this year. Uh, 13 touchdowns, four picks through eight games. Now, here's the here's the main thing. Here's Other than highlighting his completion percentage, uh, another thing about that is that the short game has really been taken out of the game plan over the last two weeks especially. Uh, it's really hard to think back about Texas A&M because of the performance that Tennessee gave on the ground. But at Alabama, at Kentucky, Tennessee was just not using the short game to get the run going because the run, frankly, is working so well down Main Street. And, and when Tennessee runs outside with Joe or a speed option, you know, it's, it's working uh, to obviously more of an extent against Kentucky than Alabama, but it wasn't bad in the first half there against Alabama. Uh, but here's the thing. If, if you tell me it, it's August, it's fall camp, Joe's going to have 1,763 yards and only 13 touchdowns through eight games. There's no way I'm saying Tennessee has just got two losses. They've at least got three, if not four. They didn't beat Texas A&M because you needed the pass game to, to really take the top off of their defense, which Tennessee didn't do in that game. Uh, you, you lost at Florida, which you did. Not Again, not all on Joe, if you're asking me. Uh, you lost to Alabama for sure because you needed some more explosion, and, and his numbers would not be indicative of, obviously, explosive plays being the theme. They've not. Tennessee still 6-2, and two, bowl eligible, which doesn't matter at this point because there's so much more to play for. Uh, again, only losing in Gainesville, only losing in Tuscaloosa, Things that Tennessee, where, where Tennessee has not entered November very much of late and their only losses being to those teams, it's been losing to Ole Miss, which, which you know, Hopple and Tennessee did in 2021. Losing to any SEC West opponent, which Tennessee is not currently just losing to the SEC West. That, that appears to be a trend that's broken. Uh, they're not losing the games that they used to do. You, you know, 10 years ago, Tennessee goes 0-2 in that Pitt series. They certainly don't win on the road at Pitt. You know, they could have lost to, to anyone, you name it, especially when the quarterback wasn't performing early in the season the way they should have been. But again, they're 6-2. and two. They're finding different ways to win. The defense, albeit coming off a lackluster performance in Lexington, has stepped up, paid Rodney Garner. Uh, I, I was losing a bit of faith in Tim Banks as we continued to do things like dropping Harrison and Pierce and coverage. I don't know what on earth they saw or thought they saw on film for Kentucky because we, we, we've not seen that a lot this season. But to do it multiple, multiple times and get absolutely nothing out of it. In fact, Devin Leary would usually target that that spot of the field where Roman Harrison is trying to flip his hips and, and get in coverage and get in the way of a pass. And and he would he, he would usually find that guy for a medium to, to a first down gain and and it would it would burn Tennessee. Wasn't a fan of that. On the whole, Banks has been improved. His unit has certainly improved. Rodney Garner's unit has certainly paved the way for that. Kamal Haddon was playing great, great football prior to his injury, playing the best ball for sure of his of his Tennessee career. Uh, things are different. They they really are. Tennessee's winning games in ways that they wouldn't have won in 2021 and 2022. They're winning games in in ways that they didn't, games that they didn't win prior to the Hopple era. These are things that need to be recognized and praised in my mind, even in a season where 
you might have been hoping for 10 and 2. You might have been thinking 11 and 1 could be on the table coming in. Uh, it's obvious, again, through eight games, kind of what's held you back from getting to that point. Uh, you know, it, uh, to me, it's obvious, but these are things that need to be recognized, need to be enjoyed and, and savored as, as Tennessee fans. The number of times Tennessee, again, is 6 and 2 entering November, six wins or a uh, few losses, you name it. Entering November has been uh, just here and there only uh, over the last 20, 25 years. So enjoy it, savor it. Obviously, so much left to play for uh, because, you know, you don't want to be in the Music City Bowl. You don't necessarily want to be in any bowl like that. You're, you're aiming for, for higher sights, thinking about still an outside shot at New Year's Six. The East is not completely settled, though it is all but settled. And we'll talk about Georgia when we preview the rest of this week's games. Uh, we'll talk about Florida. We'll talk about the East. We'll talk about all those things uh, when we get to them. But... Just saying, there's so much to play for, so much pride on the line, or there should be. Uh, and, and again, the way that Tennessee's gutted out these wins against Texas A&M, against Kentucky, winning games in, in ways that they didn't, you know, it seems evident to me that that they, they recognize what there is left to play for. want to hit on a, a couple more aspects uh, of Tennessee's win over Kentucky before I do want to let you know about our wonderful sponsor, North Forsyth Training and Fitness, NFTF, who is located at 4015's Brown Bridge Road. If you're in the coming area and ready to change your life physically or looking for a new gym, NFTF is the place for you. Owner and head coach Jesse Foster has got all the credentials and experience to, uh, to help you reach your goals. He's got morning classes that run 530, 730, and 9.00 with afternoon classes running 3.30, 4.30, 5.30, and 6.30. So there's surely a class to fit your schedule. Uh, NFTF is a community-driven gym, so you're not only achieving your goals, you're doing so uh, with, a, with a group of people that you'll call your friends. And if you'd like to, to contact Jesse, hit him up at 706-633-6609. Make sure to let him know that the boys at Pandemonium Reigns Podcast sent you. Uh, I hit that ad at that moment. Talking about a gym, talk about getting them gains and those lifts in because my word, what a performance from, I'm going to go Tennessee's offensive line, Jalen Wright, Dylan Sampson. First of all, Dylan Sampson, if if you've heard the Alvin Kamara's, Kamara lot uh, references before, maybe you've rolled your eyes because how could, frankly, anyone do some of the magic that Alvin did uh, in Orange? Surely you recognize some of the things after Tennessee's win Saturday night. The patience before he hits a crease when he runs through the middle. The the unbelievable, un just just unbelievable, preposterous tackle breaking. He had big Deion Walker leaning on him one time on a shovel pass, which, hey, didn't like the play call. Love <laughs> love the end result. He he obviously got a lot of run down the stretch with Hopple saying that Jalen Wright was nicked up. Frankly, I believe it because of the way Wright was was playing before exiting the game. 10.9 per carry for Jalen Wright, who, again, I'll get to in just a second. Sampson, again, helping you ice that game away. Such huge receptions, rushes, picking up unbelievable yardage. Again, the patience before he before he picks his spot to run through. He's grown up before our eyes. He, he really, really does remind me of, of a light Alvin Kamara at this point. Uh, with with again 
multiple years potentially to to kind of further submit that cement that comparison uh, and, and do some more Alvin type things. 17 for 75 and a touchdown on the ground. Long rush of 24. Uh, four catches, and frankly, it felt like he caught the ball a whole lot more than that, but he got 39 yards on those receptions with a long of 17. And again, huge shout-out. First of all, shout-out Jabari Small. Still such a serviceable running back for Tennessee. Uh, but Jalen Wright, he is so explosive this year. He is absolutely on his way to the NFL to do some of these same things in my mind. We would be – I'd be flabbergasted if he was back in orange for 2024, frankly, but – uh, would obviously welcome it, but he he's he's just on his he's well on his way to being picked in this year's draft. Eleven carries, 120 yards, one touchdown on that that gorgeous 52 yard run. Uh, just a little insight. Joe hands that ball off, and I'm I'm watching live, thinking, Joe, what are you doing? That's a keeper. Looks like Joe had some some yards to gain. Looks like they bit to me on on Jalen, but then they show the replay from behind the line of scrimmage. And it's evident the decision was correct to hand that ball off to Jalen. Might not have been a read uh, in any regard. Might have been just a, a true handoff coming. Jalen did all the did all the rest. After the offensive line opens up, just a a massive massive hole on the right side. Tennessee, uh, Kentucky probably over pursued just a hair as well. Uh, and Jalen does the rest on his path to 52 yards and the the end zone. What a what a gorgeous run, well blocked, uh, Jalen. Hope, hope he's okay. Thankful that the next opponent is UConn because you'll need him to beat Missouri. You'll need him to keep the Georgia game any form of respectable and, and try to pursue a win in that game. Obviously, anything's possible, but it still feels like a loss, and that those are the majority of responses that, that you guys gave us on Twitter, on X, this weekend. We appreciate the engagement. But uh, those are those. That's the common thought at this point with the way that Georgia's playing and just what Tennessee still needs on its roster, uh, and kind of the way they've played in big, big moments so far this year. Uh, but what a shout out to those guys! They have clearly done their homework. They're prepared. They are so much better than they've been. Uh, Samson was electric at times in 2022, much like Joe was against third teams, against you know garbage time opponents. That's not him anymore, man. He is ready to carry a big load for Tennessee in 2024 to do a lot of heavy lifting for this offense. Jalen Wright is currently doing it uh, on 11 carries. Again, so if, if he's got a long run of 52, I mean, think about the yards that he picked up on the other 10 carries. And, and look, I would love to know the outcome of that game. I'd love to see what Jalen could have done if he was the one with 17 carries and Sampson was the one with the 11 carries. But what a team effort. These guys obviously cheer for each other. They're supportive of each other, of each other the way they should be, the, the way that a team is. Uh, and I'm, I'm super, super appreciative of that, of the culture, uh, of the way this offensive line has kind of turned some of the things around. Because, I mean, you look, look again. Look at Gainesville. Look at the second half of Alabama. Look at other parts of the season. And you're, there's no way that you're thinking Tennessee can win games if their quarterback and their air game is not doing some form of more 2022 type things through the air. So we'll take it. We love to see it. Uh, Jalen on the year is averaging seven yards a carry. The thing that I hate for him is he's only found the end zone twice with, with the, the last of those obviously coming uh, on Saturday night. But 713 yards on the season, 102 carries. Uh, he's playing like a warrior. I would love, love, love to know 
uh, the yards that he's got after contact, and I'm sure that we can find that and, and hit you with that a little later on. Uh, all these running backs running really hard. Again, Sampson and Wright's explosion, what they can do, uh, you know, for, for reference, with Jalen averaging the seven yards per carry, Dylan's at 5.7 himself. He's obviously found the end zone because as, as the first teamers kind of wear down, whether it's Jabari, whether it's Jalen, he does come in the red zone a lot of times. Uh, one thing I've not even mentioned yet, I mean, a breakout game of sorts for, for Dante Thornton. And, and those two throws that Joe had on the run uh, where he's kind of directing traffic, you know, those were some of the most accurate, best balls I've seen from Joe Milton all year. Love that. Love the bit of a breakout again for Thornton. Long of 47 on his way to 63 yards, three catches. So you may, you may think I'm crazy for saying breakout game. Has he had two catches in a game so far? Has he had any form of explosion, any form of, or any chance of trying to show off his speed, uh, which maybe he looks a little bit slower uh, than advertised? You know, I think it's tough because of all the buzz and hop that was coming in, but certainly something to build on. That guy should certainly be back in orange next year. Uh, and I think a second year for a receiver in this system is always always a lot better than their first. Just look at you know, look at look at 2022. Look at the other examples that we've got. Uh, happy for for Nimrod. I mean, I think the second year for a lot of these guys is big. You know, last year there's no way I'm thinking Nimrod is getting some of the 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 tough passes that he's that he's bringing in in moments. He's obviously not getting a huge sample size. Super stoked that he got in the end zone. I think that Chaz Nimrod's got a, I think there's a little, a little, a hair of Cedric Tillman in it, maybe a little, you know, maybe not the the guy that we saw Tillman be consistently uh, for the better part of two years. Uh, but I think he's got, I think he's got a little Tillman in him. I like to joke there with that, with that squeaky pipsqueak voice. Uh, but I mean, he makes tough catches. He did so in the Texas A&M game, I want to say. He, you know, we were told, I'm, I'm, 95% certain that he's not the fastest guy, but a lot of times we see his his route running, his his ability, the training that he's probably receiving from from Kelsey Pope and and what he's learning from from his teammates. Uh, he's getting past guys at times. I mean, he's you know he didn't he doesn't bring them all in yet, but I th I think he needs the continued targets. Uh, I think Joe's obviously got some chemistry with him from from him probably being a third stringer last year, maybe even a fourth string guy at receiver. Uh, being a redshirt freshman this year, I think Joe's obviously got some chemistry with him none, nonetheless. But look, just about a total team win. The only thing I think you could have asked for in this game that needs to be criticized to to whatever extent is the pass defense. Again, that goes back to the pass rush. That goes a little bit to the to the secondary. Uh, it, you know, the, the lack of discipline still at times and some of the penalties. Looking at Aaron Beasley kind of specifically on that, not to to call him out per se, but just look, man, you're a senior. You can't make those mistakes on the road. There was no need for it whatsoever. This was a close game. And if, you know, had Kentucky converted a time or two before that moment, I mean, you know, that, that could have really hurt the team and, and frankly could have cost the team the game. Uh, so you got to be smarter. You got to play like a senior, uh, like you should. Uh, he's obviously been been a great player on the whole for Tennessee. Uh, the other thing that I want to criticize just a hair before I truly do uh, wind this down and land the plane is is just some of the play calling. You obviously hear fans, you hear analysts, you hear former play, you hear the theme to make a team stop something before you stop calling it. 
if Tennessee's not the perfect, the picture perfect example of that, I don't know who is. They get so, so, so run happy on first down. I mentioned it for this game because Tennessee would hit, you know, eight yards on first down running. They'd run for the first down. Here's a seven or a 10 yard gain on the next first down running. Pick up that first down, loss, run for loss on first down. Hit it over the top with some play action. Get me a, a quick RPO where Kentucky is starting to cheat up or you name the opponent, I don't care. Uh, you just can't be so repetitive. Uh, you know, not great in in the short yardage spot still. Uh, I do believe Tennessee wins the, the uh, conversion percentages, the conversion battle in this game. Uh, Tennessee was, was 6 of 13 on third down. Kentucky was 5 of 11, but 0 for 2 on fourth down. So Tennessee does just edge out uh, with 13 attempts per team, uh, getting one more than Kentucky on third and fourth down. But again, not great. Got to clean up this play calling a little bit. Got to find some way to be better with the penalties. The thing that scares me with the penalties is that the pace, the tempo has obviously slowed down some. It's still not an old offense, a you know run-the-clock-down offense to, to snap the next play, but the penalties are still still there. So the, the pace slowing down and the penalties still being there scares me a little bit. I don't know what the deal is. That that just needs to be addressed because it's probably not going to kill you in reaching your ceiling or your goals in a year like this one. But, you know, just imagine if if this was a 12-team playoff, a playoff spot was on the line, Tennessee's running top five, top seven, or top four in the future looking for a playoff spot and they lose a game because of a dumb penalty or one too many holds, you name it. Uh, it's going to bite. It, it, that's, the, that's the name of the game and, and what can happen. But Tennessee gets the win. Wanted to recap it. Wanted to celebrate it. Win number 43 over the last 50 attempts. If you go back to 1974, that's the 50th matchup from counting backwards from right now. And Tennessee has won 43 of them. So let's celebrate that. Program still doing what it needs to do, and in, in for the most part, uh, and and obviously reaching for for newer heights than we've seen in in some time under the Hopple era, under this staff doing what they do, three and zero against Kentucky, which we love to see doing doing well in that department. Thank you so much for checking out the Pandemonium Marines podcast. God bless, GBO.